Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Here's one of the interviews from the stage of Code Commerce 2017 in New York City. If you like it, please leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. I've only got 10 minutes, so I'm going to keep this uh, quick. Um, I wish I had more time not to just bore you even more with slides, but uh, I want to give each and every one of you a big hug. Uh, and you might think, why would I want to do that? Um, so everyone in commerce, and essentially I guess here everyone is in commerce, every one of you guys deserve a hug. Uh, and I need a hug after being in commerce for, uh, for four years. And so and when I see other folks in commerce, like instead of just like shaking hands, a lot, of time, a lot of times we just hug each other and we whisper in each other's ear like, you know, like, how's CAC? Yeah, it's coming down. How's LTV? Yeah, it's, good. it's doing all right, man. Uh, so commerce people deserve a hug. Uh, people who worked at Zynga deserve a hug. I worked at Zynga as well. So whenever I see folks that work at Zynga, we give each other a hug. Um, and third group, I guess, would be my mom deserves a, deserves a hug. And so uh, my mom was a very hardworking uh, woman, didn't speak a ton of English before moving to the States, uh, and actually supported a family of four, um, me, my sister, my dad, uh, and herself, um, uh, working a minimum wage job as a, as a cashier at a, at a fast food restaurant uh, for many years living in Baltimore. And so uh, every time I see my mom, uh, she still gets a, a, a hug from me, um, except uh, nowadays, you know, like w growing up, we had to save quite a bit. And so it's an interesting segue because, you know, even as we were doing a little bit better, it was always really kind of incumbent upon our family to try to save money. And so how did you do that? Back in the day in the 80s, uh, it was crazy because um, there was this new concept called the warehouse club. Uh, and so if you needed a lot of something, you would go to the price club buy a ton of it and save a little bit of money. Uh, and so now it's mainstream, but back then it certainly wasn't. And so we would, you needed a business license back then. So we, uh, we borrowed a friend's kind of business license and like we went and then if you wave the car really quickly, then like they kind of just like, oh, whatever, just go in. Like they can't really tell who you are. Um, but uh, as things go on, uh, I found my mom still loves warehouse clubs. She still loves to drive like an hour and a half to access like a dollar of savings. And I'm like, mom, you know, you're just like, you're so cheap, mom, you know? And she's like, I'm frugal. And I'm like, what? Like, you barely spoke English when you came to this country, mom. Well, you know, you sure you know what that means? And she's like, uh, I know better than you. I saw what you got in your SAT score. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. All right, mom. Um, so she's getting a, a little smarter these days. And so we took that concept of saving money by buying up, by, by bulking up and, and buying in bulk and stocking up. Uh, and we thought, okay, millions of Americans don't have cars anymore. So if you don't have uh, the physical means to access a warehouse club, what are your options? And so we said, okay, let's go after that audience. And this is where we started. And so um, this was uh, the garage. And so we started in a garage in tropical New Jersey, not far from here. Uh, and everyone loves the story of like, oh my gosh, I'd love to start a company in my garage. Oh, it's so sexy. Uh, we loved that. Didn't Google start in a garage? Listen, folks, like, this was not a sexy garage, right? Like, you see, like, the leaf blower in the back. There's, like, a ladder back there. Um, I was 30-something years old when I started this company. So I'm sitting in central Jersey in a two-car garage telling friends and family and telling the in-laws that uh, what I do for a living is we sell toilet paper out of a garage. Uh, and so most people are just like, yeah, unemployed, uh, check. And so um, looking back, it was pretty, uh, pretty nostalgic. But it was really easy uh, for us to, to, to see it today coming, right? Uh, this change in commerce that eventually came. And so uh, for us, what was that change and what powered us to go from this 
to now one of the most advanced fulfillment centers in the world, it really was, uh, was this. Uh, my mom's generation, if you, ask her, if you ask her today, what does value mean to her? She'll say 100% value is equal to price. Uh, if you ask a younger shopper today, what does value mean to them? They'll say, well, price still matters, right? No one wants to be ripped off. But, uh, but two, uh, convenience and how I access that price matters quite a bit. Uh, and also the brand matters quite a bit, right? And so folks who go in and, and think about uh, where they want to spend their money, more and more so today, they're thinking about, okay, is this a good company? Is this someone that I want to trust, my, uh, trust with my hard-earned money? And so if you just even look at today, the environment between Uber and Lyft, both are doing incredible things at scale. Millions of Americans still use Lyft, even though um, you can't say it's cheaper than Uber, and you can't say it's more convenient, right? There's less liquidity in the system, less Lyft drivers, yet millions of Americans still use Lyft because of the brand. And so um, we're definitely seeing the, the, uh, the tailwinds of, uh, of that. Um, so from there, uh, the humble beginnings in the garage, we rode that wave of this change in the value equation, and now this is uh, our fulfillment center in Union, New Jersey. So robotics, miles of conveyor, uh, and at least for consumer packaged goods, one of the most advanced fulfillment centers uh, in the world. So it's crazy when I go in there because four years ago we were still in my in my garage, and uh, you know we have professionals that, that run these centers now for us, but I still like to go um, because I'm just in awe of what we built, uh, and so. I now know what it feels like to be a third world dictator because when this thing opened, um, I walked in there, the ribbon cutting ceremony, there was like a whole entourage behind me and then like there's all these really smart people that helped us build this and like they're all looking at me to say something smart and so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I picked something and I'm like, this sorter, wouldn't, wouldn't throughput be increased if it was a little wider? Uh, and then they're like, oh man, leader's so brilliant. And so like they write it down. <laughs> And then they snap a few pictures of me like, like this, you know, like, and then like the press pieces. And so uh, afterward, they're like, never let that man ever in here again. What an idiot, you know? Um, and so here's the fulfillment center. But what we found out, and I'm sure what uh, we're probably known for, if you guys have heard about us, is kind of how we treat employees and how we uh, treat customers. And so for us, these folks have broken their backs, have literally shed tears, have literally shed sweat and blood in order for us to get to this point to automate this fulfillment center. The right thing for us to do was not to say, hey, thank you, uh, but Mr. Roboto over here now has your job. And thank you for allowing us to afford this. Uh, we no longer need your service. And so um, you might think, okay, that's, that's interesting. So when did you come up with that idea or, or what brought you to that idea? It was actually a very distinct moment along the history of our company. So when we kind of hired folks in uh, from the outside, uh, when they start off as pickers and packers, as they get promoted through the system, uh, what eventually happens is if they're a manager or a lead, we actually have a really awesome lunch or dinner at a decent restaurant uh, for them. Everyone gets dressed up. Executives come in from New York, and we congratulate these folks. And for a lot of these folks, it's the first time they've ever been dressed up and in a corporate event where they're being honored. And so. Uh, I remember because we're sitting there, it's the first one ever, and we're like, oh man, this is a great time. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Tim. Uh, so Tim gets up, a uh, few drinks in, you know, and he's like, I want to say something. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the shortest lived promotion ever. Like rule number one, Tim, never get drunk at the company Christmas party uh, and never say, hold my drink, watch this, because nothing good ever comes out of that. So Tim gets up there, I'm in the back like, oh my God, like our chief people officer is here. I was like, Tim's about to get fired in about 30 seconds. Um, so he gets up and he's like, you guys don't know a lot about me. And I'm like, 
I actually don't know. I've seen you around, Tim, but like, yeah, okay. Um, so Tim was actually college educated and actually um, uh, a paralegal at one of the largest law firms in New Jersey. Back in 2008, along with the big recession, uh, he was laid off. Uh, he's an older gentleman, uh, couldn't find work after that. Um, but he said, you know, I was always reading all these different kind of blogs um, uh, and, and just reading the news. And I knew tech was going to be a big thing. But I live in central Jersey. Um, you know, I don't have a tech degree. Uh, I thought this wave was going to pass me by. And so when I saw your, your ad on Craigslist for, for a picker, I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. So Tim started as a box loader, picking up boxes, putting down boxes, picking up boxes, putting down boxes, going on a break, picking up the next box, and putting down a box. His title at that time was box loader. It wasn't like chief, like, like fun and productivity culture officer. You know what I mean? It's like, what, what do they do? Like, his title, if he had a card, was box loader. And so that's what he did for eight to 10 hours a day. And so he gets up and says, um, I work hard. And no one's ever taken a chance uh, on me like you guys have. And you don't know me. Um, uh, but what I'm here to say is actually, uh, for that chance that you've given me, uh, I will never let you down. Um, and so I still get a little bit of uh, goosebumps all over my body because um, we started in a garage, just four folks, you know, just like living the dream. Uh, you know, selling toilet paper out of a garage. And now you have human lives and, and livelihoods at stake that stare you in the face and say that to you. Um, it's the reason why I get up every morning and do uh, what we do. Um, and so it's, uh, it's contagious. Uh, and so between kind of automating the fulfillment centers, retraining these folks so that they're not just thrown to the wayside, preparing them for the next generation of work, um, it's actually become contagious. So even with the women in our company where, you know, we felt, uh, they felt we were complicit in charging a disparate uh, tax for women on razors even. So uh, women in the audience will know, like, pink razors often cost more than blue razors. Uh, even legislatively, like, you have to pay a tax on tampons in certain kind of uh, states uh, because they're luxury goods. And all you guys know, like, even the men in the audience know that they're not luxury goods, right? So if you're, if you're, if your wife or, 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 or you know, spouse or, or girlfriend calls you and said, hey, babe, can you pick me up some FemCare products on the way home? You're not going to say, oh, man, times are tough. You know, that's a luxury good item. Like, you know, like, now's not the right time, babe. You know, like, next time, next month, maybe, you know. Um, so if it doesn't pass that straight face test, why do we tax women uh, on these products? Not only because, you know, not only from from the face of a retailer, but also legislatively. So now the women of Box fly all over the country um, to actually testify uh, under oath uh, in front of state legislatures to help us abolish this tax. On Box, we are still today the only major retailer in America, or probably the only retailer in America, that has taken down the price uh, of our FemCare products and taken down the price of our razors uh, and other pink tax items so that women pay the same price as men uh, on these products. And so this is contagious. Uh, and lastly, this is where we end up. And so not uh, just all hugging each other before work every day, um, but this is my message uh, to you guys in the audience. We're all here, we're all in commerce, and we're all uh, at a certain degree uh, or a certain high level kind of area within your own uh, organizations. Um, and if the American dream was all about starting off, that, off on that first rung ladder where they're getting that retail job, that frontline retail job, that frontline food job, that frontline commerce job, and if that automation starts to take away that first rung, guess what, folks? It's going to be incumbent on us 
to lend a hand, just like folks have lended a hand throughout each and every one of your guys' career to lift you up uh, and to make not only the company better, but to make our society uh, function the way that it originally was planned out to be. Um, so I know it's a heavy topic. Uh, I did it in 10 minutes. Um, my name is Che. I'm the CEO of Boxed. I, I, I don't think I said that yet, but, uh, but, uh, but check us out. Uh, if you love the app, give us five stars. If you don't love the app, don't rate it at all. Uh, um, but, uh, but I appreciate it. Thanks for all the support, and uh, I'll see you around out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Remember to leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay, and be sure to check out our other podcasts. Every Monday, I host Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. On Thursdays, you can hear Recode Media, in which Peter Kafka interviews the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. And on Fridays, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. You can find all these shows and more at Recode.net or wherever you listen to your podcasts.